Welcome to The Sober Unicorn. We are a gay-hosted, all-inclusive podcast about sobriety and addiction recovery for the LGBT plus community and all of our allies. I'm your host, Holden, and thank you for joining us today. Hey, 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 it's Holden. I am an alcoholic. I hope everybody's doing well today. Today, I am being joined by Wes. Hey, y'all. Hey, Holden. How are you? Good. How are you doing today, Wes? Great. It's a beautiful day here in Nashville, and I'm glad to be talking to you. Well, I'm glad to finally have you on. So why don't you tell everybody your like your name? Oh, well, of course, your name is Wes. So why don't you tell everybody like your sobriety date, what your drug of choice was? Yeah. So my name's Wes, originally from a small town in Illinois. I've been in Chicago, Austin, Texas, near you, and now I've been in Nashville eight years. Um, drug of choice was alcohol. I love to drink. I'm a very social person. And I, my last drink was October 17th of 2021. So I think we're yeah. at 166 days. Yes, 166 days. We had to check our day counter because Wes and I are actually just a few days apart from each other. So uh, Wes and I actually met via Instagram. Um, I don't remember who followed who first, um, but Wes also has his own podcast and he runs with a friend of his called Two Bottles Deep. So if you haven't checked that out already or listened to it, I would go ahead and hop on whatever streaming service you use and take a listen to his podcast as well. It's very enjoyable. So I'm glad to have you on, of course. And um, so why don't you take us through the kind of a, give us a little bit of a backstory. So before we dive into the the topic of the episode, why don't you tell everybody kind of what led up to you needing to get sober and how that journey started? Yeah. Like I said, I'm a really social person. So for me, I never viewed it as a problem, but later I started getting a little more foggy in the head and then work got a little bit harder. Um, I had a lot of acquaintances, a lot of drinking buddies, a lot of, you know, gal pals, and we'd all go out uh, and the guys, when the game was on, we'd go watch the game, but I just, I just got like tired. I just, I just kind of was waking up and I'm like, and I'll tell you one thing. I've never had a hangover in my life. I did the fraternity life at, at, at college. Um, I came out in Austin and, you know, fourth street in Austin, it's a, it's a crazy wild time. I lived that for six years. And then, um, I just, I'd never had a hangover ever. And I drank gin and whatever was in front of me. And it was just always this social it was just all social. I didn't feel I needed it. I have an uncle who's an addict and I really can uh, empathize with that. Um, but I'm lucky I didn't need a program, but I, there's still been so many struggles. So I can only imagine, um, you know, what, what, what a lot of people go through. Yeah, most definitely. I think me and you kind of relate on that where I was a social drinker as well. And I was like, oh, well, I'm a social drinker. I don't have an issue because I kept it in social settings. But as time progressed, it just kept getting worse and worse. And the um, quantity I was intaking just kept increasing. So at what times did you finally realize, like, holy shit, maybe I also am an addict just like your uncle and need to get sober? Yeah. And there were other family members I saw alcohol just destroy lives. Marriages are still together and, and all of that. But it just wasn't healthy. And I'm like, I... 
growing up, even before I started drinking, I'm like, I never want that life. And then I fell into it because I wanted to be accepted. And it, and it was not the fraternity. It was, it was, I drank before I was in a fraternity. It wasn't that, but in our culture, in our society, that's, hey, let's, let's, let's catch up. And rarely do you have tea or coffee. You're going to a bar, you're going to a happy hour. Um, but I just, it was, you know, this last probably two years when I had to sit with myself during COVID, like we all did, you know, I live alone, so I didn't have the, the, um, the outpouring of, of, um, you know, friendships that I thought I had and they had caught kind of a lot of them went away with the bar. A lot of my close friends are scattered around the country. So they weren't coming to Nashville and I wasn't going there because of COVID. So I started thinking, and I'm like, I don't need to drink. And, and now again, this was two, two and a half years ago. So I didn't drink during COVID. I didn't come home and pour a glass of wine after work or do the mocktail Zooms that everybody was doing. I mean, it was a great idea, a way to connect. But I really just, I kind of didn't drink as much. But once Nashville started opening back up, which was only like a few months after COVID, you know, in the South, they're like, it ain't real. So um, I live downtown. So there are bars and everybody was going out. There were precautions. But then I kind of picked it back up again. I'm like, God, this is COVID sucked. This is where I was supposed to be the whole time. And these are my friends. And, and I didn't need the drink. It was, and I think there's a lot of people out there that may um, be in my shoes. Of, I didn't need the drink. I wasn't shaken. I didn't pour it when I got up. I didn't put it in my coffee, but I did need it to socialize. And then after COVID, you're like, okay, I forgot how to talk to people. I'm gonna need, I'm gonna need a double, like, because I'm like, I don't have any social skills anymore. So I, it was kind of a culmination of things. Um, I, I was getting foggy at work. I just couldn't remember stuff. And even though I've never had a hangover, I used to drink a lot. I just got lucky. But I, my brain, it was just, it was just foggy. That's all I could say. So October 18th, I was getting a haircut, and he turned me around in the chair, and I looked in the mirror. And it was just, I was going on a trip to Europe. The bags under the eyes were big. I mean, it was just like, I, you know, it was just crazy. And my uh, barber was cutting. He's like a boxer or something. And he was, he had a gallon of water. He's like, I do that for all the way up to my um, match and, or his little boxing thing. And yeah. And I'm like, I'm going to do a 75 day. Cause he was doing the, like the 75 hard or something like that. In addition so I'm like, I'm gonna do a gallon a day, no liquor, try to work out, you know, but I can do the no liquor and water every day. So that's when I started. It was October 18th. It was a Monday. I, I you know, the lights in there were shining. You looked horrible. And I'm just like, ah, this cannot be my life. And that, that's when it snapped. Which I mean, thankfully it did snap. I think even though kind of like dry January, I know a lot of people don't agree with it, but just giving yourself a challenge of taking a break from liquor will help a lot of people realize that for one, either they have a problem because they immediately go back and can't go that whole month without it, or they just kind of realize how much better they feel, how much more clarity that they have in their minds, how they're, I mean, your skin changes. So, uh -huh. I mean, it's, it's, it's like, even though a lot of people in the, the programs and stuff like that don't agree with dry January, I think that it can be beneficial for a lot of people. So I don't think that's something we should ever shun away from. And I know you brought up friendships, how you have kind of, you you had a social setting and Rona hit. And at least for me, Rona fueled my addiction because we were 
never really paying attention to any of the um, laws. And we were at a friend's house constantly partying with at least 15 to 20 people almost about five days a week. And um, friendships have really kind of adjusted after getting sober. And some for the better, some for the worst. And I mean, once you got sober and you had to re-socialize yourself, did you find yourself losing friendships, gaining friendships, or just having to relearn that friendship? Yeah, I like that you were used the word adjusted because you know, you know, a lot of my friends, um, straight, married kids, they're like, Can you guys come around our kids? Can you? And then there was that, well, you guys have been in a bar, so we don't want you at our house, you know. So I mean, there was, you know, alcohol or no alcohol involved. There was a lot of adjustments. Um, with me. I feel that it, it was different. My acquaintances were gone. I, I thought they were friends, but they were purely an acquaintance. Uh, great people. Acquaintances aren't bad. But once you stop going out or stop accepting those invitations and to the house parties or the bars or the clubs, it, it kind of dwindles. And that's just kind of a natural progression of life and what season of life am I in? So it's definitely changed a lot. I don't know if that answers it, but there, there are a lot of people that that kind of went away, but the core group is there. It, it kind of comes full circle. People maybe you haven't talked to in years that come back around and like, hey, let's go hiking or let's go kayaking. Let's grab that coffee. Uh, and I've always been a coffee, coffee tea guy, like, but I was it's a it was always that natural reaction especially after putting down the drink I took a trip to Savannah Georgia with some friends and they're all pretty chill but they like a good cocktail but they're not going to have 12 and that was the difference between that group of friends and another group of friends so I'm like okay I will go on this trip that was my first challenge and there were a couple times that I almost ordered just out of habit that's what it was for me was a habit and it's also important to note to anyone listening, I did not go out and have two or three drinks. I had 12 because it's a, the cups are small, <laughs> but I, and it tasted good. You know, uh, I do gin and soda grapefruit. And um, so when I went to Savannah, that was my first challenge. And, and I did well, I had unsweet tea. I, sometimes I got crazy and had sweet tea. We were in the South and Savannah, Georgia is beautiful, historic, amazing, but my friend Vicky and I, everybody else would sleep in. Her husband slept in. We got up and met downstairs and went to coffee shops, you know, and um, I met a guy there too. It was random. We're no longer talking, but, uh, but it was cute. She's like, see, so many things happen when you like sober up. And I'm like, I guess so. So it's just, yeah, but I, I still have a great group of friends, but a lot, there was a lot of hard times and adjustments. It's not like it was just, oh, this is easy. It was hard for me. Uh, because my initial go-to is, hey, hold on, let's go to happy hour. Oh, hey, let, no, we can't go to happy hour. What do we do? It's raining out. It was always at a bar. Like, And when you come to Nashville, when people are like, what do I do here? I'm like, oh, there's a lot of bars. And that's it. Like, my friends <laughs> call, they're like, hey, we're going to bring the kids. What do we do? And I'm like, I have no clue what you do with kids in Nashville. It's like Austin. Like, it's 6th Street. It's Broadway here. It's just bar after bar. But I had a season of my life where I loved it. And I should have had 400 DUIs. Thank God I didn't. Um, I made horrible decisions. At the time, it was fun. I still have a lot of great friends from that time who've kind of went through the same patterns, but the ones that our patterns are a little off, 
doesn't make them bad people. We're just, we're just not close right now. Yeah. I mean, it's insane that you bring up Georgia because I had friends in uh, right outside of Savannah, Georgia uh, mm. in, in military that I went to Atlanta, had one of the husbands meet me there to hang out for the weekend. And that was the last weekend that I drank because really? yeah, I flew there to, of course, visit him and take photos of a cemetery. And yeah, I, I flew in Friday night, leaving Saturday night. And I was so intoxicated that none of that ever happened. I don't really remember anything. That's what, when I really looked at myself, I was like, you have a problem. Yeah. And all those yeah. memories you have, you don't have any of those. From no, yeah. I barely have any memory from, from that weekend. And, and friendships, you know, my friendships have completely altered since getting sober because as you said, you're, you're texting your friends. Let's go to happy hour. Let's go here. We're meeting up at this bar. And since getting sober, I find that I don't have anything to talk about <laughs> with, yeah. with those old acquaintances and friends. And, and it's sad because when I was at that bar, every person in that bar knew me. Um, I was there five, seven nights a week. And maybe I think two of them have actually reached out to me and I'm like, how's it going? Neither, I mean, none of them really ever even wanted to hear the podcast until mutual friend ended up on it. I mean, that well, that's another story, but I mean, it's that none of them have been like, how's the podcast going? Let me listen to it. How's sobriety going? It's more just like really generic. How's your day? How's your day? And then the conversation's yeah. over. Yeah. Because I'm not drama. I mean, I'm a drama queen being gay and all, but <laughs> it's, <laughs> I don't fuel into the drama drunk scene anymore because, of course, I'm not drinking. Right. And I find that the friends that I'm making in sobriety are truly genuine friendships because yeah. for one they want to see you sober of course um but two it's like we're not here because we could buy each other drinks we're not here because it's a convenience friendship of location it's we're here because we're actually connected and stay connected because we actually do enjoy each other's company right so for you, I mean, of course, like, as you said, some of your acquaintances left. So did you, have you made sober friends becoming sober or have you just kind of stayed in the clique that you had, but just you being the sober one now while they continue drinking? Like, yeah, I have like three or four plants over here. So I'm all content. I'm a plant dad now. It's wonderful. I, um, yeah, I know I've made new ones. And, you know, I came out in, when I moved to Austin, Texas. That's when I came out of the closet, started exploring. Um, you know, I always say I never chose to be gay, but I finally chose to be happy. And a lot of that drinking, my family, it took a while to accept, but they're amazing. Like, God love them. Even my grandma, like it's, it's been wonderful. My nephews, brother, sister-in-law, mom and dad, super great and extended family. But down there, I didn't have any gay friends. I didn't have any, my, my friends are straight. So I would go to the bar. My first bar was Rain on 4th Street. It's Rain and OCH. And, and I met a, met a person and met a couple people. And then it turned into, you know, 500 people. And then it was this, you know, everybody knows you at the bar. And oh, it's Friday night, we have to go. And, and I remember, and I have a lot of great memories from that time. We laughed a lot. I was 
29. I was young, you know, and, and that's the time you go out. It was almost like you come out and you're in college all over again. Or, you know, we experience things much later in life or at least my generation does, because we couldn't take a date to the prom. We couldn't, I couldn't take a date to my fraternity formal because it was 2001. I graduated college back in 05, totally different time. So I started making these friends and it just ballooned. I was on the Austin Gay and Lesbian Chamber of Commerce and I did charity work and, and, and you had the professional group and then you had the, the drunk group, right? You had the, the social group, but, but I was that guy. It was like, you know, this is my bar. This is, this is where I go. And, and it's sad looking back. We thought we were hot shit then, but like when there's a line wrapped around the building and you are escorted into the bar, like we thought we were cool. And I'm like, I don't know if that's a good thing. Looking back, I'm like, why do we get just let in in front of 200 people? But we were there all the time, you know? And, um, but that again, that was a season of my life. If anybody's in that season, I, I understand. Um, I'm not, I, I don't want to be that hypocrite that went through it and now is like, well, everybody's wrong if they're doing it. Because uh, we, we have a lot of shame and guilt and we throw shade at each other in our community. And it's, it's frankly disgusting and it has to stop. So when I see people out now, I'm like, God, they're doing what I did. And I hope they have a, because I have great friends from that, that time down there. And those people helped me come out. I'm not turning my back on them now. It's just, I'm in a different phase of my life. And I have to think about me and not I'm going to lose friends. I'm going to lose friends. So to segue to your question that you asked 12 minutes ago, because I <laughs> ramble, is I started with a sober friend and then I met their friends and it, it kind of is snowballing like it did when I met my first gay friend, you know? So it's just choosing that, that different lifestyle. And I mean, alcohol, I'll never forget. I was in Vegas as a senior in college, some fraternity brothers. I went out there and some guy come up to us, opened his coat and had, I, I'm not, I've never really used drugs. So I don't know what they were, but he's like, do you want to buy this? And we're like, no. And then we had a beer and a hand and he's like, well, we're like, we don't do drugs. And he's like, well, alcohol's a drug. And he ran away and we laughed and laughed and laughed. And I think about that now. And I'm like, it is a drug. It is a, I need this to function. I need, it's kind of like anybody with cocaine or meth or whatever. I need this. I need this. And, and I did, I needed it to have conversations. I didn't physically need it, but mentally I'm like, I need this. So it is an addiction, right? So um, I just started meeting sober people and, and there's, and it's a trend now, you know, Monday, it's called uh, drinkmonday.co. They have, alcohol-free gin and whiskey. And mm. it's a whole revolution. My friends in DC, I started doing posts on my uh, Instagram and Facebook. And I mean, almost a thousand likes. I never get but a hundred likes, honestly, on anything I do. But people from like grade school are reaching out. And I'm like, there's something here. And this was, I think when I started the challenge, because I started a 75-day challenge and I just haven't went back to drinking. So you know, I, I'm like, this is gaining some traction. I think in our country, there's, I mean, alcohol is involved with dinner and everything we do. It's like, we feel guilty if we don't, or we feel guilty if we're at a bar and we're not spending money because that waiter or waitress, that's their paycheck. That's another thing that was hard for me. So now I'll buy, you know, my friends are in from Dallas this weekend, actually from, uh, or here in Nashville from Dallas. And it was her birthday a couple months ago. So I bought her a drink and I'm like, okay. And I had a soda water with lime, you know? So you know, I still have those friends. And if I go to a house party or barbecue and everybody's, you know, having a beer and, and cooking burgers, they're totally fine with me not. 
It's not like I'm the vegan at the table that's like, are you going to eat chicken? Really? Gross. No, I'm like, if you want a beer, you have a beer. I'm worried about myself now because for so many years, I was worried about everybody else and I was never worried about Wes. And now I'm boxing, I'm hiking, I'm kayaking and it's, and I'm clear headed most of the time. I still forget a lot of stuff, but that's just hereditary or dementia. <laughs> <laughs> I think what's weird is, as you say, it's like we, we create sober friends and I find it actually very difficult now to build a friendship with somebody that drinks because oh, not yeah. because of me, but because of them. Cause the moment they're like, Oh, let's go out. Let's go to the bar. I mean, as of right now in my sobriety, I am not really wanting to go to the bar unless it's like, mm-hmm. I have a reason to be there, but it's like, Oh, I don't drink. And then they find it weird that I don't drink and they feel that they have to justify how much they intake. And I'm like, I don't care how much you intake. That's yeah. your choice as a human being. I mean, if you want to drink a whole bottle of Jameson, go right for it. Um, but me just telling people that I don't drink, it's the people become very standoffish, especially when trying to date. But um, yeah. it's weird. And I mean, I've seen the fake gins and I've seen the fake vodkas. Like, I don't know if I would ever do that because... I didn't drink the liquor because it tasted good. <laughs> I, yeah, yeah, it was the result. Yes, I drank to get effed up. And yeah. so it's like, why spend $40 for a fake bottle of booze <laughs> when it's not going to do anything for me? <laughs> yeah, I'm content with soda water. Get that Mio mix, that little squirt Mio thing, you know? And and yeah, and I find people are justifying so last night, um, a bunch of girls came in, you know, from Dallas for my friend's birthday. And um, one of them, I hadn't seen her in two years. And she's like, oh my God, I'm following your journey. I see your post. This is amazing. I want you to know, I only drink on weekends. And I'm like, well, you don't need that. I'm doing this for me. And, you know, she's got a great career and, you know, whatever. And I'm like, I, I know you may not have a problem, but I don't need it justified. Like you said, how much you drink. Like, you know, but I've had so many people reach out. It's like, we're going to try it. We're going to do 30 days. And, um, you know, and then they're like, well, I can't do February because it's Valentine's Day and March is my birthday, but come April. (laughs) And I'm like, go for it. Like do a week, do like do something. But just now when you see these products that are manufactured in a factory and we're putting those in our body and that, that goes for a lot of things. Little Debbie, Duncan, you know, any, you know, all the, because I'm addicted to junk food. And, and I'm finally, I've never been in shape. I've never been ripped. I've never been any of that. So also, I never fit into the gay community because I wasn't six, two, blonde hair, blue eyes. And you can frankly fuck off because I've been ridiculed in my community. I don't know if you've went through any of that, but gay people have a stereotype for a reason because we put it out there and it's time we stop. And it's we stop when we go to the bar. We stop saying, oh, well, just do a shot or just do this. And you got to do this. And queen, you got to do this. I'm my person. You know, I wear a backwards baseball cap, a vest, a tee. And then guys are like, oh, you're masking your gayness. Like, you don't want to be gay. I'm like, no, it's just who I am. I'm gay. (laughs) But it's just like, there's so much more. There's so much love out here. Let's give love, you know? And if we go out and that's like, you know, I came across your podcast. Someone had, I think, sent it to me as initially how we connected. And I'm like, this is what we need. 
Not everybody's going to stop drinking. Not everybody in our community or in the world is going to stop drinking. But there's need to be resources like this because, you know, we talk about friendships. We talk about connecting. That's the, like, the studies show that's like the number one thing at people's deathbed that they don't regret is the friendships. They never regret making less money or more money or having a bigger house or a different car. Either they regret or they love the friendships they've had. They regret they didn't have more of them or spend more time. And it all comes down to friendships, not money, not looks, not anything. And I'm thankful I have great people around me. Um, but there, it's, there's been a lot of hard times, you know, yeah. I mean, acknowledge that. Yeah, there's been a ton of tough times, honestly, in the community. And I'm kind of, I'm looking forward to stepping in a community in a stronger state of mind because I mean, I may be blonde hair, blue eyes, but I mean, I got a whole lot of jelly to this body. And so (laughs) it's same. (laughs) I've been ridiculed for that for God, my entire life from the first guy I ever tried to date, literally telling me I'm too fat and goes to me to just kind of in the community. And the thing is though, that always affected me and that helped fuel my drinking to mask the insecurities that I had. And so now that I'm learning self-love and and just to be happy with me, and as you said, everybody else can fuck off. And so yeah. I'm excited to kind of step into a community again that judges us solely based on looks, appearance, physicality, and what we have to offer financially. and be in a stronger state so if i do get judged i can be like okay fuck you too then i don't really i mean i don't care um so do you find yourself hanging out with more gay people or straight people nowadays it's always been a mix so yeah and i've been ridiculed of that you know especially on the podcast i talk about all my straight friends and i don't want gay friends it's not the case right um, I have a lot of amazing gay friends. I have a lot of great straight friends, a lot of great black friends, rich friends, poor friends, famous friends, not famous friends. Hell, I'm not famous, you know? And it's like, I, I just, you know, there's just so much love to spread. Um, I, if someone brings value to my life and I can give value to their life, we can compliment each other. I, 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 it's there, you know, I've, I've lost maybe more gay friends, Um, But I also used to go to more gay bars when I was coming out and stuff. So I think naturally I'm just going to lose more gay friends because I don't go to those bars anymore. But, but some of those people are still like, Hey, let's do dinner. Let's do dinner. And, and they're really sweet. They're like, I'll have tea. And I'm like, okay, like, you know, it's fine. If you don't, I don't care if you drink in front of me, but I thought that effort is amazing. Like if, if some, one of my friends wants to lose weight, I'm like, let's go, let's go to Chopped to the salad restaurant or Whole Foods and go hiking. I don't want to go through McDonald's, even though it's my go-to. You know, it's like I I felt that support from people. Um, I have a mix, Holden. Yeah, I just have a mix. I gay, straight. Um, Same yeah, here. I, I oh, mean, cool. Yeah. yeah, I mean, what's weird is I have like, I mean, in my sober group, I just recently, because I mean, I I work a program, so just recently have I started going to a gay. Uh, gay group and it's actually really enjoyable um because my my gay friends I've kind of kept very minimal and I've honestly only hung around with straight people uh just because I have felt so much judgment um from the community and it's and it's also too it's like gay friends when I always tried to make them it's like they would only be your friends if they ever saw themselves sleeping with you and it's if they if they didn't see that as a as a goal, then they're like, oh, I don't even want to talk to you. Or 
And it's like, yeah. why do we have to be friends with benefits? Why can't we just be friends? So at least going into the straight community, they didn't care whether I was fat, gay, straight, femme, mask. I mean, nobody gave a shit. It was just, we were there, we're there to have a good time and just love each other and just be friends with each other. So I mean, before we go into the ending of the episode, um, is there anything that you haven't shared that you would like to? I I think there's a lot of work we need to do in our community. Um, Yeah, I mean, this we can go on and on and on. That's my problem is I'll ramble and you'll be like, circle back around West. Um, I just I, I think if there's anybody listening, whether you need a program, which I've had friends um, in Austin, they would always come to my birthday parties, but they at that point had been sober 25 years. I think they're up to over 30, 35 now. And they speak at all the big AA um, conventions. These were two guys that met when they were both, I think in the Navy or something like that out in San Diego. And they have an amazing story. So whether you're someone that needs a program, which are phenomenal, great. I mean, it's a great resource or someone like me that's like, okay, I can manage it, but I need, you know, support. I need to listen to a podcast. I need to listen to your guest and, and to hear people's stories because then we know we're not alone, right? We're not, we're not alone. And I think a lot of times we feel like we're the only ones or we're alone and I'm the only one going through it. Kind of like coming, coming out. I'm like, oh my God, I don't, it was the eighties and nineties. I didn't see gay people on TV, you know? So I think just having that, um, just knowing that 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 they're not alone and and there's not one way to do it. There's not just one right way to do it. You got to fit what's what's good for you. And it's tough to sit with yourself. It was for me during the pandemic. And then two years later, this last year, I was like, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I was in the barber chair and I'm like, I'm gonna quit drinking. Like I feel horrible. I look like crap. I'm gonna quit drinking. So it's like, who am I gonna lose? It's almost like staying in a bad relationship. You may get beat and torn down. And I mean, a guy I was dating for a long time, years ago in Austin, he's like, you'd be just so much cuter if you were in shape. And I stayed. And, oh and it's because that was comfort, right? I'm like, well, I have a boyfriend, like, you know, and then now I look and I'm like, it's going to take a lot for someone to get me because that's how effing proud I am of myself. And, and therefore, you know, for many, many years, we put ourselves on the back burner because we're gay. We can't get married. We can't do this. You hear derogatory terms. That's all that's changing, right? So let's be proud. Let's rep- represent our community in a bright way because that's how we get allies, right? A lot of pride parades don't get a lot of allies. You see what happened in them, right? We did an episode on that. And we got a lot of kickback. Uh, my co-host is for pride parades. I'm, I'm getting there. I'm getting there, but what we do in the streets as gay people and flaunt it, it it's just not classy. Um, Dr. King didn't mar- march that way, but we are like, it, it's just weird. So um, I don't know why I went off on that topic. No, but you're fine. And I think really, what I'm kind of getting from that is we could be prideful as gay people without sexualizing an event that is the pride parade the parade especially is a family-friendly event where straight and gays should be able to feel comfortable bringing their children that are six seven eight years old without people nude on a float almost um shaking their twerking their ass in their face and i think if you want to shake your ass go for it because you're a human and are allowed to do that but that's what the bar after the parade is for i mean at least in la 
there was a whole section of the city cut off that you did the parade and then went into that and there was an 18 and older tent as well so it's like save the sexualization for it um for a different time and or a different part of the event but just be just i mean you don't have to shake your ass to say that you're proud to be who you are but i mean i know we're probably going to get a lot of kickback on this episode but that's okay and and let's keep in mind in nashville the the two biggest sponsors the three biggest sponsors cracker barrel dollar general and bridgestone america there are a lot of people and and you have like people in speedos and then behind them is the methodist church marching with us I'm like, that is, who the hell's in charge of this damn lineup, you know? <laughs> put them at the back, you know? Put the churches first, you know? And, you know, it, that's my opinion. You know, does it hurt anything? Probably not. People are having fun. We can finally express ourselves, uh, hopefully not getting murdered. So I get why people do it. They're like, we're here. We're going to stay. Absolutely. So I, I'm getting there. But um, I even said on our podcast, I'm like, I want to float this year. The Nashville parade was phenomenal was just classy. It was great. Uh, the bars, even the, the gay bars, their floats were wonderful. So I'm coming around, you know, I'm dubbed the gay and culture. So take <laughs> whatever you want for that. But uh, we have a lot of work to do. Uh, it's on us. It's no one else's fault. Let's quit deflecting it. Um, yeah, what happens in a bar it happens at straight bars. Um, straight people have swinger groups, but they're not out in the St. Patrick's Day parade promoting it. You know, we are. Yeah, 100%. Right. So there's there's a lot of toxicity in our our community. And that's our podcast. We want to spread love. We want to spread the light. The network that we're produced through is spread the positive. So we have everybody on from Republicans to drag queens to filmmakers to country singers, um, stylists. I mean, we we just want a window. It's just like yours. It's a window into a conversation. You know, somebody may take one sentence out of an entire podcast and it could change your life you know um but it comes down to relationships and we have all this stuff going on you know i work in property management and there's 9300 things to do every day but i'm like i'm here for my residents i'm here for my company that levels it out so personal life i'm here for relationships um i want to live longer i don't i don't want to drive drunk anymore i don't want to risk things anymore i want better skin like you said (laughs) (laughs) i that I mean, as you said, uh, as we accept everybody, I mean, on on this podcast, even though we kind of advertise as like kind of more towards the queer culture, we have straights, we have gays, we I've had trans. Um, we don't even judge on addiction. So the thing is, when it comes to program, especially or AA podcasts, they shun anybody that has any other active addiction. And when you try to search if you're somebody that's hair on heroin or meth, it's so hard to find a podcast that is dedicated to NA or CA and stuff like that. So that's why here I've had opioid, opioid addicts, heroin addicts, meth addicts. I mean, whether you're on meth, cocaine, alcohol, you still have a story to share. And mm-hmm. most young people, I'm not going to say all, but a lot of young people are very cross addicted. So, I mean, they need to find those similarities without us just only talking about alcohol all the time in every single episode because alcohol podcasts are out there normal. Like, so the thing is, I mean, that's why the sober unicorn, we've tried to create a very diverse group of people and addiction based. So we can kind of help anybody out there. If they can get something from one episode, then the goal of the whole podcast is done. 
Um, and so what, um, before we end, um, why don't you tell people, of course, about your podcast, drop your podcast, drop any social media that you want to share and everything. Certainly. Uh, on Instagram, it's Life of Weston. That's Life of Weston, W-E-S-T-O-N. Uh, podcast is called Two Bottles Deep, T-W-O, Bottles Deep. Uh, my co-host and I, Philip Hedrick, have been friends for six years, met on a Sunday fun day. He's the funniest person I've ever met. Very genuine, but very, very funny. And um, and it, like yours, it just started taking off. We're like, well, let's just, it's funny because we started it before my sobriety date. So we would literally had concrete floors in the apartment I was at that time and it was echoey. So we got in my closet, it was not a walk-in closet. It was like double doors. You'd get in and you we're face to face. And then we had like a, 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 like a milk crate for like all of our sound stuff. And then I spilled a Pinot, bottle of Pinot Grigio on my laptop. We had like five or six episodes, ruined that. And uh, so that's how we started. We're like, let's just get drunk and talk about stuff. You know, he's more in the gay scene than I am. So we have a good dynamic, right? And um, I'm a little more conservative. He's a little more liberal. And we're like, we just, we want to bring people together. Our thing is bridging the gap. And I think you're doing that too, because I think people, whether it, we have a lot of straight listeners, the emails and text and, and not text, uh, DMs we get are from straight religious people. It's phenomenal. We're like, what, what is going on here? So it's opening that in. They're like, wow, we never realized about the trans community. We've had some trans series and that's something we know nothing about, but we want to be respectful and I want to learn. My goddaughter is, is uh, becoming my godson. And my cousin called me and I'm like, oh, that's, I know the, the G part of our alphabet, right? <laughs> I don't know much about the trans, but it's, it's the hot topic right now. So we're covering those. I mean, so um, what else did we, <laughs> what else do I need? Oh yeah. A life of Weston on Instagram, West Schmitz on Facebook, um, two bottles deep and that's iHeartRadio and Spotify and Apple, I think. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I thank you so much for coming on here again. I'm sure we'll probably eventually do a follow-up episode at some point. Do it. It was awesome. so nice to meet you. I've heard a lot about you and your podcast. You already Instagram have more followers than us. And like, you're already starting. Like, this is important. And you're, I'm just so proud of you. And you also are an entrepreneur and doing 900 other things. And I don't know how you do it. <laughs> I was telling Philip about you the other day and I'm like, yeah, he does this and this and this and you're changing lives. And that's, that's the important part. Thank you again for listening to today's episode. Hit that follow button to be notified about new episodes every week. If you'd like to reach out to us, you can find us on Instagram at the Sober Unicorn Podcast or on our website at thesoberunicornpodcast.com. There you will find our episodes as well as our very own Sober Owned Shop featuring products from small businesses that are sober owned. And remember everyone, don't be normal, be a unicorn, but better yet, be a sober unicorn.